It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, how do you like us now? Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday. Appreciate you guys starting your Monday with us. Hope you've had a wonderful weekend. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. We've got a lot to get to. A recap of the Braves looking forward after their big playoff week series against the Astros and Mets. Of course, Falcons. In action tonight, we'll talk a little bit about the preseason game and just how bad do pundits think the Falcons roster is. Unreal. We'll get to that all coming up today on the show. But first, we want to start with the Atlanta Braves and uh, what a week it was. Uh, I don't think you could have planned it any better. I don't think you could have expected it to go any better than what it did. They take three or four from the Mets. They take two or three from the Astros, other than probably sweeping the Astros which would have been fantastic. You know, this was prove-it time for this team, and they proved it, right? Like, that to me is what this past week was all about, and they showed everybody something. They showed everybody that they are not to be toyed with, that they this they take this team seriously. It doesn't matter whether they catch the Mets or not. This is a team that's going to be an incredibly tough out in October and one that everybody should absolutely – have on their radar uh, as the standard bearer. Now, with all this is said and done, there's still a four-game lead now between the Mets uh, and the Braves. And, and, you know, they they still have some ground to make up. Obviously, they have three more left with them. But you're going to get into a stretch run here with the Braves and the Mets where they're both playing sort of weaker opponents. The Mets have a slightly easier schedule than the Braves do the rest of the way, but they're both pretty manageable, all things considered. Uh, The Braves start a series with the Pirates uh, and the Mets. I think they move on to Colorado. Let me just double check real quick. Uh, And the point is, is that, you know, the the team that plays the best, obviously, against this worst competition. I'm sorry, the Mets have a series with the Yankees for the next two days. Duh. Um, So uh, the, the team that plays the best against this bad competition, which the Braves have been really good at this year, uh, is the team that will, um, will obviously end up out on top. But it was just great to see the Braves put it all together for seven games. Talked about winning four out of seven. They won five out of seven. You can't get upset at what we saw from the Braves over the course of uh, the last week. You know, it really, really was good. Hats off to Charlie Morton for yesterday. Again, another solid start. Doesn't get a decision, but another solid start for him. He struck out uh, 11 batters now. Um, I'm sorry, struck out 23 batters over his last 13 and two-thirds. It's his last two starts against a mess in the Astros. So he's looked really, really good. Um, There were some questions yesterday, and I think this is fair, about Brian Snicker's use of the bullpen. Again, he goes to Dylan Lee in the eighth, gives up two runs, and then another run given up in the ninth. It's like he he, he just refuses to... Look at those high leverage situations sometimes for what they are. Wants to get everybody work. Wants to to get guys 
into positions to be successful. And even though sometimes it calls for you to just go to Iglesias and go to Jansen, you know, it's uh, it's not what he's going to do. He's just, you know, he, he looks at it differently. He's always had this sort of head-scratching way about the bullpen. I don't know if there's anything that's going to change that at any point in time, but it's just one of those things that is going to make you frustrated at times as a Braves fan. Speaking of frustrating, there was something else perplexing about yesterday. We'll discuss it in a minute. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews of every league and news of every league. Major League Baseball, obviously, NFL now rearing up, getting ready to go. NBA right around the corner, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay. Um, it's not often you see a player get booed in his home park during player intros. Uh, that's exactly what happened yesterday to Marcelo Zuna. He got played, he got booed during player intros. He got booed in his first at bat. He got booed after he struck out in his first at bat. He got booed for his second at bat. And he got struck, he got booed after he struck out in his second at bat. Uh yeah. Well, Marcelo Zuna got the start yesterday, which was head scratching in himself. Why? Why did Marcelo Zuna, after getting arrested over the weekend for a DUI or a Friday morning, um, he hit eighth, played left field. Eddie Rosario had some hamstring soreness. Uh, there wasn't a lot of options for him. He didn't want to push Rosario. So uh, it was Ozuna. And Snicker threw him in a lineup. Now, there's a couple of parts to this that I think are relevant. Snicker doesn't control the roster. And he cannot and should not have to play with 25 guys when everybody else is playing with 26. If the GM wants to dump him and ownership wants to dump him, that's their decision. Um, yes, obviously the manager is brought in on it, but at the end of the day, Snicker doesn't get to cut guys. That's not his job. So he's got to deal with what he's got to deal with. Uh, like many managers, sometimes you just got this, this waste of space on your bench. I mean, the Yankees had it with Joey Gallo. The Braves have it with Marcelo Zuna. You just got a guy that's not hitting, that can't play, but you got to keep putting him out there. Why? Because he's on the roster and he's getting paid. And it's not smart for you to play with 25 guys when everybody else is pay playing with 26. Now, is it fair to say the Braves should have already cut Ozuna? Might be an argument for that. Been arrested twice in 15 months. First time on more serious charges. Second time now on a DUI. Um, yeah. I mean, at this point, for a guy who is making $65 million, got a four-year deal, $65 million, um, he's not lived up to it in any size, way, shape, or form. Not even close. Now, whatever the Braves decide to do with Ozuna, I'm not really concerned with. I mean, at this point, you know, Robbie Grossman is playing well enough. Obviously, Vaughn Grissom is adding extra offense into the lineup. I know he doesn't play the outfield, but, you know, with the DH, you're getting just more production out of the lineup. And that's what Ozuna is there for, production on the lineup. He's certainly not there for his defense. That we all know. But that said, whether they cut him or not, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that it matters. What bothers me about this for the Braves is Ozuna was the first guy that Liberty Media 
went out on a ledge with and gave something bigger than a three-year deal and gave something bigger than, you know, uh, a, a, a 40 or $50 million range. That's what was surprising about it. If you remember, and I remember lamenting that, we never saw Liberty Media give out four-year deals and beyond the free agents. They weren't doing it. That's why Josh Donaldson walked, right? He got an extra year from the Twins. I mean, in reality, that's why Freddie Freeman walked. He got an extra year from the Dodgers. But you get the point. Like, it's just not their way. So I, my fear is that as the Braves continue to be one of the superpowers in Major League Baseball, as every year you have to restock and reload that we talk about, is this organization now going to be gun-shy to pull the trigger? Uh, if Dansby leaves in free agency and Carlos Correa is available, wherever it is, uh, you know, like, it, it, are we going to be afraid to go after that guy? Because he wants a five or six or seven-year deal worth this big money. As I said, you know, I talked about this too. When you look at all of the contracts that 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 Alex Anthopoulos has put together, the five big contracts, uh, Acuna, Albies, Olsen, Riley, and now uh, Harris, how many of those you think get to see for, through to completion? If you get three of those through to completion, that's a home run, man. That's a big-time home run. That's really, really hard to do. If you fast forward to 2028, how many of those contracts got to finish? If you get to three of them, that is impressive because that really is something that tells you there's a mark of, of you, you had a good deal. All right, coming up next, uh, Falcons, Jets, tonight on Monday night. There is a noticeable absence from a couple of names here in training camp. I'll tell you who they are next. This is A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to check out all the shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is A to Z. I've hit and hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste. Our Braves postcast after every Braves game, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks, getting you ready for football and NBA respectively, as we turn the corner to fall here. Can't believe uh, it's already coming up on September. So uh, lots to do here today on A to Z. In fact, we'll look at the Falcons roster and why pundits think it's one of the worst in the NFL. Beyond the national perspective of the Falcons, let's take a little bit more of a microscopic approach uh, to where they are because uh, as they sit here getting ready to play preseason game number two against the Jets tonight, they had a a weekend full of practices on Friday and Saturday at the Jets facility. Um, and, you know, I do, I, I'm not going to do this thing, like I said, during the first preseason game. I'm not going to do the lazy radio host thing. What do you expect to see in the second preseason game? It's, it's just annoying. Okay. You know what I expect? That nobody gets hurt, please. Because we saw that happen last night. If you weren't watching the Giants Bengals game, First-round draft pick for the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau. And, yes, obviously, I'm a little bit biased as a Giants fan. But first-round pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, Randy Moss's son, actually, dove at his knee, uh, rolled up on his ankle, and almost, you know, could have ended the guy's season before it ever got started. Uh, Thibodeau says he's okay. He walked off the field under his own power. But it looked ugly, and it looked dirty. I've gone back and forth with people online on the Twitters about – whether it was dirty or not, and technically it's a legal hit. Yeah, I understand technically it's a legal hit because the NFL doesn't write rules designed to protect knees unless it's a quarterback. For the other 21 guys on the field, they don't care about your knee. That's it. And in reality, there's only one knee they cared about, and that was Tom Brady. So 
beyond all that, uh, it was, I thought it was dirty. I, I thought he could have done a bunch of different things there um, to still block the guy without diving at his kneecap and rolling up on his ankle. So nobody get hurt because this Falcons team, we'll, we'll talk more about the roster in a minute, but this Falcons team doesn't have exactly a, a depth of talent. They don't have a lot of depth, period. And to that end, losing somebody for an extended period of time may take what's an already shaky foundation and make it even shakier. So please, nobody get hurt. That's the only expectation I have. That's the only expectation you should have. Now, a couple of things that I actually will look for tonight in the game, and I talked about one of them, and I want to get to this notable absence here in just a moment. But one of them I want to get to is Marcus Mariota. And there's only one thing that I want to see. And I don't even need to watch the game to see it. I want to know how many times he took off and ran versus how many times he threw. How many plays did he play? How much did they hand off? How much did he pass? And how much did he run? Because I'll say this again. If you didn't miss it the first time, the best playmaker on offense, where's number eight? His name is Kyle Pitts. Likely the second best playmaker on offense, where's number five? And his name is Drake London. Likely the third best playmaker on this team. Where's number 84 on offense? And his name is Cordero Patterson. I could probably give you at least one more, but you know who's not in the top three of the best playmakers on offense on this team? Marcus Mariota. Also Desmond Ritter. I don't want either one of these guys taking off and running. Throw the damn ball, especially in preseason. Throw the ball. The game doesn't count. I want to see you be able to throw the ball. I don't want to know that you can scramble for 12 yards. I know you can do that. That's great. But scrambling for 12 yards is not going to win you football games. And don't talk to me about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson still threw for 36 touchdowns in his MVP year. Okay? 36 touchdowns. You think Marcus Mariota's total touchdown prop is at 36? No, it's at like 21 and a half. So, yeah. I want to see them throw the ball. I don't want to see them take off and run. Get the ball into the hands of your best playmaker. And that, to me, is the only thing that I look for offensively. And I don't have to watch the game to know it. I can just look at the stat sheet. Say, this dude took off six times? Hell no. Nope. He played how much? A half? He took off six times? No. We're not winning games that way. You're just not. All right. Uh, the notable absence on defense. There's two of them, actually. We'll get to those in a minute. First, a word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Guys, I tell you about them every day because their coffee's insane. It's so good. It is off the charts. I'll never forget when that box came to my house and I opened it up. The smell that hit me in the face was like, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. You're not in heaven. You might be in Tanzania. You might be in Sumatra. You might be in Kenya. You might be in a rainforest. Why? Because their coffees come from all over the world. That's what the smell is coffees from around the world. They're organic, fair trade, direct trade, expertly crafted blends and espressos all at Coffee AM. And it's roasted right here in your backyard. Here's what you do. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and take a look at their full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. And use the promo code locked on for 15% off at checkout of your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in america okay back to the falcons um there are some notable absences to me in uh this preseason this training camp i don't hear the name arnold ebicady a lot i don't hear the name troy anderson a lot i have not heard anything 
And I've been out to a couple of practices. But I have not heard anybody rave about these guys. I haven't heard anybody talk about their development. I haven't heard anybody talk about their progress. I've never heard anybody even tweet out, oh, man, Evan Katie made a great play and got to the quarterback. Nothing. Silence. Crickets. Uh, and I'm not sitting here saying that these guys weren't good draft picks, but if this defense is going to be any good at all, like, didn't she get ever Katie to get to the quarterback? Don't we need him to be able to do that on a routine basis? Didn't you get Troy Anderson to patrol the middle? Don't we need him to be able to do that on a routine basis? Like, you know, because Deion Jones is not going to be here much longer after this year, period. So uh, where are those guys? Am I the only – am I missing it? Am I the only one who has not heard a lot about those guys? Because to me, those are going to be important players. You need your second rounders and your third rounders to develop into starters in this league. Maybe not right away, but they got to get there. That's why this is such an important year for Richie Grant, right? Took him 40th overall, second-round pick. This is the litmus test. Everybody's saying this is the litmus test for Ken Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith scouting draft well. If this guy can play, we're going to find out. He's going to get the starting job at safety. We're going to find out if he can play. I don't know if uh, we know that Epicady and Anderson can play yet. You know, like these are the things um, that I start to wonder about what the status of these guys are. Because, again, um, if, if they can't be consistent players, I'm not talking about high-level starters yet. I'm just talking about consistently in the rotation. If they're only limited to be able to do one thing coming out of the gate as a rookie, that's a little disconcerting to me. That's something that, like, I look at and go, okay, um, did we get the right guy? Who knows? I mean, it's it's going to take a while to figure out. But, you know, again, as I said that I'm not looking for things, I'm just curious to see how much playing time they get and if they're going to be in a rotation at some point in time because right now it doesn't feel like they are. Right now it does not feel like they are. So – We'll find out by the time we get to the end of this game here tonight when the Falcons take on the Jets. And again, beyond all that, please, 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 nobody get hurt because this team cannot afford it. Uh, they, they cannot afford injuries early on, um, especially against the toughness of this schedule. They're going to need a full complement of players if they hope to sneak a couple of wins in uh, early on in the season. All right, coming up next, how bad do pundits stink the Falcons roster is this year? Kind of head-scratching and almost laughable at this point. I'll tell you that next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Final segment of A to Z here on this Monday on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. You know what to do. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Uh, before we get to how bad national pundits think the Falcons roster is, uh, let's hand out a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. You know how we do it every day. We like to set somebody straight. Whack them straight upside the head with a Shovel of Wisdom. You can do so as well on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. Today, my shovel goes to... The Associated Press and ESPN. Okay. Uh, 
So ESPN ran a story on their website from the Associated Press, and it was a story about former Cincinnati Red New York Yankee Paul O'Neill getting his number retired by the Yankees on Sunday. Uh, and that wasn't it wasn't anything about the story. It was kind of just one little angle in the story why they're getting the shovel of wisdom. And I'm just going to read, uh, you know, the the opening two paragraphs and the first sentence of the third paragraph. Eight years ago, Paul O'Neill was thanked by the New York Yankees for his contribution to the dynasties with the plaque in Monument Park. On Sunday, the Yankees retired his, his retired as number 21, making him the 23rd player or manager in the franchise's history to be honored in such a way. The ceremony was drastically different than others, not only because he isn't vaccinated against COVID-19, but also because the Yankees entered the Sunday with 14 losses in their past 18 games. Okay, the 14 losses in the past 18 games is notable. Uh, and it is a something to, to worth mention that it might have put a damper on the ceremony. What the hell does his vaccination status have to do with the ceremony? Oh, wait, I get into it a little bit deeper in the article. Hmm. Here we go. Uh, let me find it here in just a moment. Yeah. Um, so O'Neill got a framed jersey of his number 21, a framed plaque of his jersey, for one of the gifts that he got. Uh, it said the signed frame jersey was the closest thing O'Neill had to any interaction with New York's current roster because of his vaccination status. Unvaccinated personnel are barred from interaction with any players in the dugout or the clubhouse. O'Neill has called games on the Yes Network from his Ohio home since the pandemic shortened season of 2020. In an interview with New Jersey Advanced Media published Sunday, O'Neill said of his vaccination status, I'd rather not discuss that. Again, what the hell does that have to do with him getting his jersey retired? Why would he have any interaction with the current team? He doesn't know anybody on the current team. He didn't play with anybody on the current team. The manager was a, actually he played with Aaron Boone for one year. No, nope, 03. Nope, he didn't play with Aaron Boone. So there you go. There's no connection to any of the current players. Why would he need to have interaction with them? What's the big deal? It's it's stuff like this that drives me nuts because the whole point of this is to bring a COVID angle into the story that doesn't need to be there. Period. Like it doesn't need to be there. There's no reason for it to come up. And yes, of course. But yeah, let's bring it up. So stupid, man. Anyway, speaking of stupid, I can't believe how bad uh, these national pundits think the Falcons roster is overall. So uh, Mike Clay, ESPN.com, uh, put together, uh, analyzed all the rosters and put together the best and worst units for all 32 teams at each position, position group rankings. So, for example, at quarterback, they put Green Bay at one, KC at two, Tampa Bay at three, Buffalo at four, Rams at five, blah, blah, blah. Falcons, 31 out of 32. Apparently, they think the combination of Drew Locke and uh, and Geno Smith is not as bad as Marcus Mariota. That was better than CBS, who had us at worst, so there's that. Running backs, top five, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Tennessee, Carolina. Carolina should have an asterisk when healthy. Uh, Falcons, 32nd. Worst running back room in the league. Uh, Cordero Batterson, they talk about uh, journeyman Damian Williams, who's never eclipsed 75 touches, only eclipsed 75 touches once in his career. Then, of course, Tyler Algier, and converted cornerback out of Boise State, Avery Williams. On to the wide receivers. Top five, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Miami, Arizona, Minnesota. Falcons, 31st. Only the Ravens rank worse. Apparently, they take much higher of uh, Drake London coming out of college, and they do have Rashad Bateman, but that's, again, neither here nor there. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Now we get to some fun stuff. Tight ends. Woo! Just want to take a guess where they put the tight end for the Falcons. Top five. Baltimore. Got it. Mark Andrews. KC. Travis Kelsey. Got it. San Francisco. George Kelsey. Got it. Las Vegas. Darren Waller. Got it. New England. Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith. Got it. Arizona. Zach Ertz. Falcons coming at seventh with Kyle Pitts. I would probably have Pitts at five behind those other proven guys, right? Like, it's okay to say at this point, proven-wise, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, all more proven than Kyle Pitts. But, you know, Zach Ertz is up there in years. I think he's going to have a good year in Arizona. Hunter Henry was great in L.A. slash San Diego, wherever, you know, whatever it started there. Um, But are they as talented with a quarterback? Uh, I don't know if they're really taking that into account here, per se. But I think there's some argument that you could put the Falcons in the top five. Nonetheless, seventh overall, obviously going to be their best position group. Offensive lines, top five. Philadelphia, KC, Cleveland, Detroit, and the Chargers. Falcons, not a 32. Not a 31. Heck, not even at 30. They're, they're all the way listed at 27. Outside the bottom five behind Seattle, Houston, Las Vegas, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. Uh, the Las Vegas part is is disconcerting. They should have a better offensive line than that. I think they do, but neither here nor there. They got a lot to prove this O-line. And it doesn't matter whether it's Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy, or uh, Ayafeti, or or McGarry. They got to play better. And if they don't, Falcons will be in deep, 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 deep trouble. I mean, that's really what this just boils down to. If they can't get better on the offensive line, they're going to struggle a ton. All right, interior defensive line, top five. Rams, Washington, Giants, Eagles, Packers. Falcons, where where are the Falcons? Interior, uh, uh, 21. Really? Are we disrespecting Grady Jarrett that much? Do we think that Grady Jarrett has lost that much? Like, Grady Jarrett alone should get the Falcons in the top half. I mean, there's there's typically either only one or two interior defensive line, right? Uh, I, I don't know if they're counting him on the edge now because they're at three four but based off of where they have the edge rusher rankings they don't this is an underrating here grady jared alone should have the falcons inside the top 15 he's one of the three or five best d tackles in the league done like i don't think that's up for debate anymore he's proven that year after year after year because everybody else thinks around him is not his fault Really is. Now, if you want to talk position groups overall, does he have a lot around him to help? We don't know yet. It's kind of up in the air. So I think that maybe I'm overrating it to say that he should be enough to put them in the top 15, but that's where I would put them. I would put them in the top half of the league. Edge rushers, top five. Chargers, Cleveland, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh. Falcons, dead last. Dead last. Uh, right up real quick. The likes of Dante Fowler and Stephen Means moving on during the offseason. Um, Odio Kandeji is the only edge rusher returns from last season, played 45% of the snaps, had one sack as a fifth-round pick. Um, you have 
Lorenzo Carter, and then day two rookies, Arnold Evicati and D'Angelo Malone, uh, hoping to make some sort of impact. I, it's fair. Uh, and some of that might be based up more off of, you know, bias for the last couple of years, but it, it seems fair to me, to say the least. Um, off-ball linebackers. You know, the guys in the middle. Top five, San Francisco, New Orleans, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and the Rams. Falcons, 31st again. Uh, yeah, well, we know what the situation is. They don't have anybody in the middle at this point in time. All right, let's get the cornerbacks. Now, we got to be a, we got to be good cornerback. I mean, we got A.J. Terrell here. Top five, Miami, Green Bay, Chicago. Uh, Miami, Green Bay, Cleveland, rather. Philadelphia and New Orleans. Falcons come in at 12. Which, again, let me go back to the Grady Jarrett thing. If A.J. Terrell is one of the five best corners in this league, is good enough to pull them all the way up to 12, why isn't Grady Jarrett as one of the five best D tackles good enough to pull them up all the way up into the top 15? Anyway, sounds about right. Let's see what Isaiah Oliver can do. Uh, let's see what you know the other cornerbacks in this group can do, uh, and and if they can make help out this pass rush in some size, way, shape, or form. If they can cover for a little bit, they should be okay. But it's not a surprise that people think that the Falcons' uh, roster stinks. It's not good. Uh, it's certainly not great, but it might not be as bad as people think it is when it's all said and done. Fingers crossed, right? All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z on this Monday. Make sure you guys check out all the other shows on Locked On Sports. Atlanta, after making A to Z your first listen, make Hitting Hard with John Chucker your next listen every single day. You guys have a wonderful Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.